0: The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member at tntradio.live. Thanks for listening and being a part of the Chris Smith Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
1: G'day, g'day. Welcome to the program. Good to have your company. I hope you're well. Big show planned today and a virtual smorgasbord of choice in terms of news and current affairs and issues. And I hope you're feeling better than the government in Britain this morning, just gone 4am in London, which has had a victory of sorts in getting their migration policy, the Rwanda bill, through the House, um, but only because no less than 40 Tory MPs abstained from the vote. The government has only delayed the agony and the embarrassment of not being able to have a migration policy that effectively works and be in control of its borders. And as we know, they are not the only Western country on the planet in that kind of painful place. Have a look at the Southern border in the United States. I'll get to that issue first up in the program. Um, Then we'll be joined by the Line of Liberty, of course, which is our standard practice on a Wednesday from LA. Brian McWilliams will jump into the clash between Joe Biden and Benjamin Netanyahu, now these are supposed to be allies, but the way they have spoken about each other in the last 24 hours belies all of that and is not the way allies should treat each other. But maybe it tells us a little bit more about Netanyahu going his own way since the start of this conflict and not doing what the world and the United States government expected We'll get into that, a curious relationship that between Netanyahu and Biden. We'll talk about those disgraceful surveillance bills, which are before Congress. Thankfully, the update is a good one, at least for now. And the fate of Harvard University President Claudine Gay. And there's a twist in the tale when it comes to Claudine Gay as well. We'll get on to that and her news very shortly on the program. From Down Under, the feisty PR guru and current affairs commentator Prue McSween will join us. We must talk about what seems to be a fractured relationship between the United States and Australia over the war in Gaza. Now, I would have thought the relationship between the two countries has taken, a, uh, I guess, a turn for the worst when you consider that. Australia joined a resolution in the United Nations in the last 24 hours to call for Israel to begin a second ceasefire. Now Australia wasn't alone, but they certainly have gone against and broken away from what the United States had voted in the same resolution. Now what does that mean for the relationship between the two countries? Uh, Times run out for COP28. I think they've got about four or five hours left to agree on a formal phasing out of fossil fuels. Uh, But the uh, Australian climate minister is still there banging the table, as is John Kerry banging the table. And the OECD oil giants won't budge. We'll talk about that. And apparently we're hearing that Chris Bowen, the climate change minister in Australia, will get home to demand a... uh, a decision be made about phasing out fossil fuels. Forget about the rest of the world. Australia is going to do it alone and not save the planet from destruction anyway. Nothing will change. The temperature of the planet won't change, but the wealth and The value of living standards in Australia will reduce and be destroyed. That's exactly what will occur. And uh, we're hearing plenty of information coming out of the Bruce Lerman trial too, the defamation trial, which he has launched against uh, host, Lisa Wilkinson, and the Channel 10 television network will update that for you. With Prue, who is ready to roar. It is Cyber Wednesday as well. The intrepid technology reporter, Alex Zaha Wright is back from San Francisco and he has a whole terabyte of information for us. I don't even know how big a terabyte is, but a lot, okay? Including the astonishing AI driven supercomputer we've heard of today with human brain scale simulation. Yeah. The robots have arrived, which is rather scary. And who's ready to have their say on the talkback lines? Now, you can certainly get on our chat box on TNTradio.live, but you get VIP treatment if you want to have your say on the talkback lines. They are open right now. Jump on. You can interrupt any conversation that's going on during the program as well and have your say. A great opportunity to express your opinions on a very big news month. Now, those numbers, by the way, from the United States and Canada, one 6425 From the UK, 033-0024-1026. And from Australia and New Zealand, 1-800-670-310. You're with Chris Smith broadcasting live from Sydney, Australia, over the next two hours on the Global News Talk Network, TNTradio.live. Radio.live.
0: Clashing on the controversies. It's a woke society and I am fed up with it. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
1: Well, the British have been screaming out for something to be done about illegal immigration, about boat people and the weak laws that have been introduced in the last decade, which allow large numbers of fake refugees to come into those countries. It is the same plea you're hearing from nations in Europe and, of course, in the United States. In fact, mass migration has become one of the Western world's biggest problems, I think, in the last five years. An attempt by British PM Rishi Sunak to introduce a kind of migration shield, well, it fell in tatters last month when the Supreme Court banned his policy to deport people to Rwanda. But last night in the House of Commons, his diluted Rwanda bill was voted through. In its newly framed format, it provides for safeguards for those who are sent to Rwanda, and there's a joint agreement with the Rwandan leadership as well. Worth noting that there was an historic revolt by 40 Conservative MPs who abstained from voting. Now, something like that has not happened In terms of government legislation for something like 40 years, to have 40 of your own party abstain is an indication that they do not agree with your policy, but they don't want to embarrass you further. For Rishi Sunak, a loss, of course, I think would have rendered his prime ministership pointless, but this has resuscitated him. It's resuscitated the party, but only just. The man who this week triumphantly emerged from the Australian jungle from his television cameo and someone who covets his membership to the Tories and, of course, the top job, Nigel Farage slammed the diluted policy. Farage says the UK needs to sever its ties with the European Union on human rights. What I do know is we'll never deal with any of this all the while we stay part of the ECHR. And that's becoming pretty obvious. This is the next effectively Brexit line that's been drawn within the Conservative Party. What is for certain is that Sunak is on course to lead the Conservative Party to their worst election result in modern times. And frankly, I think they deserve pretty much everything that's coming to them. So someone who better come up with a name. We had Brexit, but maybe this is Hexit, a human rights withdrawal. Uh, by Britain. Hex it, maybe. I don't know. Maybe you can do better than that. Uh, Farage has a great nose for tipping elections and referendums and reading the sentiment within his country. Now, while last night's Rwanda vote was a comfortable victory, it was 313 to 269. The Tory abstainers have only kept the legislation alive for 2023 because it faces another legislative hurdle as early as the end of January. Now, today's celebration may very well be tomorrow's commiseration, or as one scribe wrote today, it's a case of purgatory postponed, which I thought was a very good summary. And the man on top of the polls... Labour's Sir Keir Starmer is sitting back and watching all this development, watching the splits in the Tory party get wider. Uh, he has his own policy to tackle fake refugees and tackle mass migration. He's been very vocal this week. It's not about wave machines or armoured jet skis or schemes like Rwanda you know will never work. It's about doing the basics better, the mundane stuff the bureaucratic stuff, busting the backlogs, rebuilding a functioning asylum system, removing people more quickly so you don't have to run up hotel bills, and a cross-border police force that can smash the smuggler glands at source. And if they can't find a way to do that, if they can't find a way to focus on the job, fix our problems without breaking international law, unlike every government before them, then it's time to stand aside and let the Labor Party do it for them. I think you'll find that Keir Starmer will have a very satisfying Christmas time because he is on the cusp of moving into the new year, depending on when the election is, moving into the new year and there aren't too many people thinking that he won't become Prime Minister of Britain. Now, the likelihood that Starmer will be handed that responsibility on immigration as the next British government next year is growing despite Rishi Sunak's overnight victory. Uh, The public has just seen the four factional families within the Tory party splinter once again, and it's happened throughout the Rishi Sunak and Boris Johnson time in the Prime Minister's office. Um, There's a distinct possibility that they'll split again, and this migration shield will fall over in January, and then what next for the Tories? Do they find a new leader? And if you find a new leader with only, what, five or eight months to go before an election, what chance do they stand of regaining government? Maybe it's academic. doesn't really matter whether you put Rishi Sunak in there or not. They are not going to win, and this has been a debacle. It is uh, hard to work out which problem is worse for the Prime Minister, the now diluted migration deportation bill, or the fractures continuing in government ranks. This is TNT Radio.
0: TNT Radio's Hervoy Morich. Approximately
1: 650,000 Ukrainian men aged 18 to 60 have left Ukraine for Europe since the start of the war. It's a tough spot if your country is being invaded. uh, That's one thing, and you're a, a male and a citizen. Um, but, you know, if, the war, if it's a globalist war,
2: I wouldn't want to participate <laughs> in these banker globalist wars,
0: and most of them just uh, are. Hervoy Amorich on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Affordable housing, we can build that. Sustainable housing, we can build that. At MIT Modular, we understand the importance of housing for all and the importance of design, cost, and functionality. Our goal is to meet the needs of our growing population by converting shipping containers to livable units. If you're like-minded and in a position to invest in something meaningful and life-changing, we want to hear from you. We are a team of professional architects, engineers, and financial and tax experts dedicated to offering unique solutions that provide a brighter future. Our Opportunity Zone Fund offers investors both real estate and operating business diversification five-year tax deferral on capital gains, annual tax benefits, and ultimately tax-free appreciation potential. There are opportunity zones all over America. If you're interested in learning more about our services, need affordable housing, or want to participate in creating a new vision for tomorrow, give us a call in the U.S. on 385-985-5702 or read more at MITModular.com. MIT Modular. We can build that. Internet. Internet. A, a stream online. TNT Radio. Live. Today's News Talk Radio. TNT. Don't forget, you can
1: not only hear what we're doing on TNT Radio each and every day, 24 7, you can watch what we do as well. And you can see what's happening as we broadcast, which sometimes. It's a little bit like a duck on water, scrambling underneath, but being very cool and calm above the water. But at least you see it, and we're very transparent about that. And of course, many of our commentators and contributors are also on camera as well. And you can do that on our website. You can do that on our app. You can do it on X. You can do it on Odyssey. You can do it on Rumble. You can do it on Facebook. You can do it on just about any platform, YouTube. You You can Dial it up. You can't get away from it. And uh, that is the future of this radio network, TNTradio.live. Now, in breaking news, the US House of Representatives will not vote on two proposed and highly invasive surveillance bills. Now, one of these bills will massively expand one of the government's most powerful mass surveillance tools. But thankfully, the rules committee pulled both bills. Now, the vote has been postponed after a heated House GOP conference meeting, and there was good reason for it to be heated. The new National Defense Authorization Act expands Section 702, or the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, a warrantless surveillance program which violates privacy rights and erases the Fourth Amendment. What is wrong with governments of the world that have this, you know, ambition or inspiration to be authoritarian? I don't get it. Americans must retain their protection from unreasonable searches, from unreasonable seizures by government. The program also forces telecom providers to hand over more personal data to the government and it's got to be rejected at all costs. Let's bring in our regular Wednesday guest live from LA to discuss this and much more. Brian McWilliams is Communications Director of the Libertarian Party, America's third largest political party. He's a native Philadelphian, a comedian, an expert in public relations and communication and can be heard on the weekly podcast The Lines of Liberty, found at linesofliberty.com. Brian Williams welcome back to TNT radio
3: thank you Chris great to be with you and, uh, and by the way we are on video as you said you'll notice I put two plants not one but two plants behind me just for you just for the audience for well, this show so technically, you're welcome
1: technically and I'm just tipping off the IRS here you could claim <laughs> those plants as necessary for your backdrop in your work right
3: I, I think I might have to. Well, now I'm inspired to go just just hog wild, go to the Home Depot or the Lowe's, really <laughs> plant it up. You're going to come plant. in here next time, It's going to be monkeys swinging from the ceiling It's going to be a jungle.
1: <laughs> it's your jungle. I love it. Yes. Now, before we discuss the proposed uh, delay of these surveillance bills, uh, the British people have not been the only ones screaming for something to be done about you know, shonky borders, boat people, weak laws. Is it coincidence that the United States
3: is facing a very similar crisis? I mean, this has been a move from pretty much world government. I mean, when you look at the impetus for this, everyone is falling in line with this mass migration trend, which I think ties into a weakening of world borders and honestly, an attack on cultures, individual cultures. Because you think about it, Chris, when we look at what holds people together, What unites uh, nations, what unites people as far as uh, being able to look at themselves as separate from a government, separate from especially an international body like a European Union? Well, culture is what establishes that. People have very strong affinity for that. Look at what happened with Ireland. Look at what's happening now with the UK as a whole. Uh, Look at what's happening with France and Italy. You have an attack on culture. You have an attack on something that separates the people's ability to speak amongst themselves, to have something that they hold deal and that unites them. And if you can tear down the culture by mass immigration with people that do not want to become a culture related, now you have an advantage in that you've broken one of the bonds that really unites people and possibly unites them against you. So I think this is uh, purely by design and you can see what is happening here and people fighting against it and the efforts by these world organizations to shut them down, to shut them up and to continue the the mass migration, the attack on uh, on independent culture. And the
1: former Home Secretary, Suella Braverman, got it right when she addressed not only the House of Commons last week, but also... A uh, uh, right-wing think tank in Washington going back about a month ago now, and I spoke about it at the time, when she was saying that the United Nations rules on migration and the rules that have been accepted in so many Western nations in recent decades are being rorted by people who are fake refugees and governments of every persuasion absolutely everywhere across the globe need to wake up.
3: Yeah, these people just use it as every single excuse they can to cut through, to get into these nations, to cut the lines, and of course, when you've got these people you know, saying they're refugees, well, they're now they've got an urgency to it. Now they've got an excuse to cut a lot of uh, a lot of the red tape. Now they've have a reason where because they're coming in mass too. Let's not forget that. Now I think your security protocols are going to be forced to break down because, like we have in the United States, like we saw just referencing Italy again, when you've got. Tens of thousands of people all coming at once claiming refugee status. Well, now what are you going to do with them? You don't have anywhere to put them. You don't have the time to really allocate them, to go through, to to, to process them. So that's how you get these people sent off. And not only do they get sent off to places uh, without much scrutiny, but now they get to pick and choose which countries they want to line up on the borders on that are going to give them the best benefit, that are going to give them the best handouts. And there's not really much that you can do to stop it at this point with the laws as they exist.
1: One of my neighbours, who I, I don't know whether they're listening, but I'm telling the truth. One of my neighbours have very close affiliations with their family in Italy. And you mentioned the Italian uh, migration problem. En masse, you're talking about. Um, my neighbours were telling me that with ten to 15,000 arriving over a monthly period, what seems to be happening is that there's no logistical framework to process these people. You're actually trying to find them a roof, to put over their head, food to put in their mouth, they're all of a sudden part of your community and part of these border uh, towns before you're even processing and working out whether they should be there or not.
3: Yeah, exactly right. They're, they have nowhere to put them, and that's why, like I'm saying, there's, there's no way for you to figure out who is or is not violent, who is yeah. or is not involved in a criminal enterprise. And you have to think about how many people, I mean, there is a terrorist element, of course, that is worrisome, especially in our current environment. But you think about the people that have the money, the time, the, uh, the connections to leave. It's not just refugees, remember. There are so many people coming in through the border that are, like we have in the United States, members of Mexican gangs, El Salvadorian gangs. We've seen gang memberships shoot up. In my neighborhood where I live in Los Angeles, there are gang tags and the majority of people that are arrested here for violent crimes are in gangs. They are not born here for the most part, but they are relocated here or they are allowed to pass through with very little scrutiny. And this is what
1: understandably drives locals nuts and they have every reason to protest. All right, let's move away from that. How concerning are these proposed surveillance bills before we talk
3: about what's happened with the passage of them? Well, I mean, when you're talking about number one, it, everything about the FISA bill in general is an aggressive act against the American population. You can trace back FISA warrants. Now, a lot of these surveillance that they're proposing now are warrantless, meaning that you can just mass net pull people's data in without their knowledge, without being able to fight back. And we know even when they had warrants for a lot of these uh, you know, these courts, they were just rubber stamped. There was really no scrutiny. So even having a modicum of protection here didn't really do much. So now you're talking about opening it up to things like Wi Fi routers. Because previously, there was a very strict definition of what was and was not included in a FISA uh, warrantless search or a FISA document the FBI could demand going to a direct provider like a Google or an Apple to try to get your information. Now you're talking about. Wi-Fi routers as a whole that can be lumped into this as a provider of internet. That means that the FBI can come in without a warrant and essentially contact a coffee house, contact a movie theater, contact a stadium and have access to your data, to your information, you and hundreds of thousands of others who have passed by that area without you ever knowing or having a say about it. It's absolutely an atrocious violation of the Fourth Amendment and our basic rights against uh, search and seizure.
1: Couldn't agree more. Okay, now we're hearing that the Rules Committee has postponed the vote, but don't tell me it's off the table. When will we hear from it again and when will it be debated again? And if it ever gets through, we're talking about as
3: early as the first half of next year, aren't we? That is correct. I mean, they have pulled these two bills. One bill essentially would have entrenched it into uh, codified it as law. This this new section seven hundred two. The other bill is actually aiming to to wind that back. And I believe it's a bill that was proposed by um, by Mike Lee. I believe Jim Jordan is involved, but I can't remember all of the people that are signatories on it. the The one bill obviously would be vastly preferred, the one that is an effort to somehow curb the power of the FBI here and the power of the deep state as a whole to to interfere in our lives. Mm. What's ending up happening here, though, is that there's a vote to pass the NDAA. These two bills have been pulled from the vote. But now what they're proposing is to put within the NDAA framework, which is a 3000 page omnibus type of voting bill to fund our, our military. Well, of course it's going to pass. And if they can wedge it in there and the vote's as soon as Thursday, well, now it is going to be codified in there. The expansion of that program is going to be in there. And you know what happens once something has been established, once it is in the government's purview, rarely do you ever get to claw that back. And that's really the concern here is that it's going to pass on Thursday. It'll be put into effect. And once that happens, we're not going to get another shot at it. Why, as I asked rhetorically a little earlier in our chat, why are they
1: so concerned about heading down an authoritarian route when there are amendments galore, especially in the Constitution of the United States of America that says, no, sorry, none of that should happen?
3: Well, I think it goes you know, hand in hand with what I said earlier about defining what is in, what is not a, a threat by buy into the government. I mean, we look at what they've done with Terrorist Act. We look at what they've done with, quote unquote, enemy combatants. We look at what they do with things like hate speech. These are very subjective terms. And the government knows that it can expand its power exponentially under the guises of these threats. The Patriot Act really was the, the grand assault that happened on our liberties. And we took it in stride because we said, well, we have to be protected. The government will always invent a reason to attack us because it benefits them in every possible way, especially in a time right now when there is a bit of a populist uprising, when you've got figures like Javier Malay who have somehow managed to get into election or into uh, the presidency, slashing government bodies, and they know that they're at risk. The government exists to propagate itself, to expand. The greatest thing they can do is have a full, full knowledge, full beat on what's being said by everyone at all times and the ability to criminalize whatever they find. And as we've seen with Donald Trump and others, when you have infinite access to people, you will always find something that they did wrong.
1: Sadly, that is an accurate summation of what the United States faces at the moment. And it is disgraceful, absolutely disgraceful. I need to take a break. I want to come back and talk about what seems to be a decaying relationship between Israel's Prime Minister Netanyahu and the President uh, Joe Biden—they've uh, haven't come to blows, of course—but boy, oh boy, they've used some uh, very, very pointed language at each other. And uh, we'll talk about that with Brian McWilliams right after a quick break on TNT Radio. Now,
0: TNT Radio News.
3: Show how it's done. Let's
1: go. I got news for you. Yeah. News. Matt Boyland here with a quick look at your TNT headlines. U.S. President Joe Biden has promised to transfer another $200 million worth of weapons to Ukraine. Australia, Canada and New Zealand have expressed their anger at Israel's relentless bombardment of Gaza, which has so far killed over 18,000 Palestinians. The U.S. House of Representatives has voted to approve legislation that would ban the imports of Russian uranium. And France claims to have successfully repelled a drone strike on one of its warships in the Red Sea. The common housefly. Caught in the clutches of the spider's web. Every move it makes just makes matters worse. Then, dinner
3: time. Feast on the captivating stories, videos, and helpful information on our web Oh.
0: Dinner's ready.
3: Oh, man. Escape is futile. Just one more video. Get stuck in our web. TNT Radio
1: dot live all right good to have your company if you want to interrupt this conversation you can well you've got the power to do it basically you can get on our talkback numbers and Express your opinions, whether it's on the subjects that we're talking about or you can set the agenda. We're quite happy to have that happen. You can do so from the United States and Canada on 1-888-201-6425. From the UK, 033-0024-1026. And from Australia and New Zealand, 1-800-670-310. So, Brian McWilliams, we've got two things to discuss about the president of Harvard University, Claudine Gay. Now, the university president will keep her job, we've heard today, despite mounting controversy over her appearance before Congress last week. The Harvard School 13 member board in a written statement said, in this tumultuous and difficult time, we unanimously stand in support of President Gay. Are you surprised at that? I bet you wouldn't be.
3: Well, no, I'm in no way surprised that they would stand by her. I mean, this is somebody who has survived the uh, trials and, and tribulations of Harvard, essentially being OK with uh, racism against Asian students. This is somebody who has survived, as we'll talk about momentarily, uh, some questioning about her bona fides and really her moral values when it comes to theses and uh, creation of academic documents. And you're talking about somebody who, of course, is standing for everything that the Harvard alum, well, not probably not the alumni, but the Harvard board now believes in with diversity, equity, and inclusion, including her attempts to get a fellow Harvard professor fired for daring to do polling and research into uh, the Black Lives Matter movement and in how police officers did not seek out to shoot and murder unarmed black men. She tried to ruin him his career and, and get his tenure removed for that. So I guess she embodies everything that they really believe in.
1: Yeah. You wouldn't want to you wouldn't want to get the truth ruining a good story, would you? All right. Now, as for what that's right. What you've just also discussed about her, Claudine Gay, is that the fact that the university, according to the New York Post, and they're running the story front page at the moment, covered up a high level investigation into whether its controversial president was a plagiarist and used an expensive law firm to threaten the New York Post over their probe. Now, the college announced Tuesday morning that it had investigated Claudine Gay over whether some of her academic work was plagiarised and had cleared her of breaching the college's standards for research misconduct. Instead, it said that she would request four corrections in two publications to insert citations and quotation marks that were originally omitted. But the New York Post can disclose that Harvard spent weeks failing to come clean about Gay being under investigation, staying quite even when she was hauled in front of Congress for disastrous testimony on how the Ivy League college is dealing with anti-Semitism on campus. Harvard only disclosed the investigation when the university's governing body, Harvard Corporation, said it unanimously stood behind her despite a firestorm of criticism for her evidence to Congress. Harvard's public statement on the allegations of plagiarism came a day after a conservative activist, posted questions on X about citations in Gay's 1997 PhD dissertation. Isn't it amazing when you need to cover something up, you can clear the smoke, you can hire the best lawyers, the best spin doctors, uh, and all of a sudden it goes into the ether until she gets in trouble again?
3: I just think it's funny that the agreement that they made, they somehow clear her of the charges of plagiarism, and yet... All she has to do is put quotes around and citations. Too. Yes. Isn't that just admitting the plagiarism? Yes. <laughs> that's, that's what it sounds like to me. If you're, if you're putting quotes around it, that means you took it. You plagiarized it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't get it. <laughs> I honestly yeah. don't get it. That's very I, funny, isn't it? All you got to do is put this and that. It's almost
1: as if it's a, if it's a. Hypographical error, Brian.
3: Right. Yeah. It's just <laughs> having to do it, you know, four or five times. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's, it really is amazing though. And, and it, it shows to show you too, the. These institutions have lost their way completely. And it was interesting to see, by the way, even CNN's uh, Fareed Zakaria had gone on camera lambasting and lambasting these higher institutions of learning uh, for having lost their way. When you're covering up and, and, and starting to sue a publication because of a what looks to be plagiarism by your president instead of addressing the issue head on. Well, you have a problem. And I think also to circle back to this this concept of why she's in power, they wrote a letter, the board and and many people in the academic staff said, keep her in place because we have to defend academic freedom and our ability to have these type of topics and conversations on campus, AKA uh, the ability for people to discuss things like Israel, Palestine. Now, That does break down, in my opinion, when you talk about calls for genocide, harassment, abuse. If they are calling for genocide, that is clearly a violation or should be a violation. Sure, But in a broader sense, though, what she should have been fired for, what all of these people at these institutions should be fired for is fostering this era wherein these students feel free to call. For genocide, mm. to harass other students on campus, to harass and abuse uh, uh, you know, children, even like we saw billboards and, and posters put up, to rip down posters of uh, hostages. That's an environment that's been fostered by these same people because the kids have been let loose. The, the inmates run the asylum. They have no fear of retribution. They have no fear of the authorities or the uh, academic institution themselves threatening to throw them out or stepping in to correct the path and say, look, you can't do that. Act like an adult. Have a conversation. You cannot intimidate somebody. They have no fear of being yelled back at. They don't know how to have a conversation. That's what this president should be fired for. Not defending free speech, but for allowing it to get this far. Yeah. She's walked past a nasty uh, culture,
1: which starts at the top. You're exactly right. It starts at the top. All right, let's talk about Biden and Netanyahu. Now, this has got well and truly out of control. I've always said since October 7 that it was quite strange that you would have the United States keep warning the Israeli government to ensure that more humanitarian aid was delivered, to stop bombing indiscriminately and killing innocent Palestinians when they're supposed to be on the Israeli side. I thought that was strange, but now we're understanding that it's got well and truly out of control. Uh, They've clashed on Tuesday over who should govern Gaza after the war. And it's a remarkable public display, this. Biden warned, that Israel is losing support by the indiscriminate bombing that's taking place, and he's dead right there. He said members of the Israeli government want retribution against all Palestinians, not just Hamas. Wow, ouch. Netanyahu said he would block the Biden administration's post-war plan to have the Palestinian Authority take over Gaza. Now, I don't know who else he thinks can take over Gaza, certainly not the Israelis. How do you see this ending?
3: I think the only way. Well, actually, I'll tell you how I, I see it ending. I see it ending with more or less the exact same status quo we have right now. Do you? Uh, that's what I. That that's what I honestly feel because what's going to happen? I, I think is that number one, Netanyahu does not want a two-state solution. He is on record in the past saying this. His party does not want it. His party also, uh, in its own Likud party, they also have in their in their charter, you know, the elimination of Hamas uh, as a whole. So I don't think that they're going to sit back. Even though Hamas is a problem, and allow the PLO to take over because they essentially work to create Hamas to stop yeah. the PLO uh, from establishing a two state solution, from becoming a viable government. Mm. I don't think that Israel is going to permit it, and I think what's going to end up happening is that they will, similar to how Obama you know handled Ukraine uh, in order to not really anger Putin and to kind of just you know let's just let bygones be bygones here. I think that Israel will back off. I think that. The efforts made by the Biden government and made by other Arab nations, if they get involved, to have the PLO take over, aren't is not going to, or sorry, the Palestinian Liber- uh, Authority, is not going to take hold. Even though that does seem the most viable option, yeah. because Israel does not want to have an actual state there yeah. with a military, with political power, with uh, the ability to to but identify. Brian and push hasn't back. the
1: will of the world. Hasn't the will of the world bubbled up to the top so much at the moment? that this is inevitable, that he cannot resist a Palestinian state any
3: longer? The will of the world, Chris, uh, and the will of America tend to go in the same direction a lot of the time. I I hate to say it, but you and I know it's true. And if America is not the driver of this aggressively and says, as long as Israel stops the bombing and backs off, which is what I think they're going to do... It's just not going to happen. That's my opinion. As, as sad as it might be, I, I really think that's the way it's going to go.
1: It is sad because, you know, qu- quite often in war, from revolution comes evolution. Now, it's not a revolution, it's a war. But from misplacement, displacement, from war, you can get some kind of resolution on these things. And I just think that this was uh, sadly, they've lost too much life because of the Israeli bombing. But I thought that there was a way through here to a Palestinian state because of what is loudly being voiced by leaders across the world, but you know, you might be right. We need a stronger leader in the United States uh, Oval Office to ensure that Israel you know, does what the world wills, but um, you, you've got a negative view of that, which is very disappointing indeed, not because you're you're not reading it right. I think you might be reading it correctly. All right. I want to talk about Biden now. Now, I don't know what the Democrats are thinking here. I don't know whether this is, you know, one of those dummy passes, but they're reportedly bringing in Hillary Clinton as a reinforcement to help President Biden with his 2024 re-election campaign.
3: Isn't it too late to save Biden now, especially with Hillary Clinton? It's one of the most puzzling moves I've ever seen in my life. Because number one, she's one of the most awful communicators and one of the most unlikable people and politicians we've ever known. Terribly arrogant. Uh, unbelievably arrogant and in an era where people are getting tired, especially with inflation going on with seeing how the elites are still living the high life while the rest of us are struggling to pay for groceries and then having the elites tell us that inflation is not a big deal. And then it's our fault (laughs) for wrecking up credit card bills, including Hillary Clinton. Well, you've got yourself a situation where there's not going to be any bump. And also they're saying they're saying she's going to help with what? Attracting female voters. If you are Biden and you've lost female voters, Hillary Clinton's not getting them back. That means your agenda of aggressively taking away parental rights, of pushing this trans ideology, which impacts women and women's safe spaces in sports and the economy. That's what lost you, those voters. Mm. Hillary Clinton's not going to bring those people back.
1: Mm. Aren't they better off just cutting and running, saying
3: to Biden, it's not you. We're running with someone else. I mean, I I think at this point it would be the smart move. I don't know for now if they really have a viable candidate that they can plug and play, though. We saw Gavin Newsom just get destroyed by DeSantis. And when you have that happen and you have Kamala Harris as your backup, I don't know what you could really do. I think they're just absolutely trapped with this little amount of time before the election to be able to pivot and have somebody else come in there to run uh, even a primary selection or get somebody in there that even – inspire anybody. I can't think of anybody on the roster that they even have potentially that could do that right now.
1: It wouldn't have surprised me, Brian, that someone behind the Dems was encouraging Gavin Newsom to take up the challenge with DeSantis as a litmus test to see whether there is an option in 2024 to replace Biden with him. But I think the way he performed there was so drastically bad that the decision to replace Biden with him might be scrapped and off the board now.
3: Yeah, I think so. I think that whoever's manning Biden's methamphetamines at the White House, he obviously made the order. He said, we need another 40 cases because Biden's not going to drop out. We got nobody else. So, you know, (laughs) good news for that guy, bad news for the rest of America.
1: According to a new book, former President Bill Clinton had a few choice words about his wife Hillary's disastrous efforts during the 2016 election cycle bill clinton allegedly said they could not sell pussy on a troop train that's a bit embarrassing uh that (laughs) won't be a very happy warm christmas between those two
3: I, I don't. I honestly don't think that they spend any time together, regardless. Maybe when Chelsea comes to visit, they put on a little show for her. you know, it's like their own Christmas pageant. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> Bill Clinton, I guess to his credit, did not mince words in that way. But look, he's not wrong. It, it was a catastrophe of a campaign, which is, again adds the humor to why they thought Hillary Clinton would ever jump in and be any any benefit to a Biden. But I'll tell you what, I certainly need to read this book and find out what other uh, fantastic witticisms (laughs) Bill Clinton has laid on us.
1: I need to have a look at that as well. Can I ask you to stretch our friendship and our time together today? I want to take a quick break and we'll come back and talk about what is a very indicative CBS News poll uh, on inflation, which of course is affecting everyone at the moment. We'll do that and more with Brian McWilliams right after a quick break on TNT Radio. With his expert analysis and opinion
0: this is tnt radio's timothy shea
2: the right of the people to be secure in their persons houses papers and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated and no warrant shall issue but upon probable cause supported by oath or affirmation and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized that's our fourth amendment thank heavens and the founders that we have it Why? Well, let's look at Ireland. They're trying to ram through a bill before Christmas that would authorize the Guardi to enter a house and seize any electronic devices they found if the government somehow found something objectionable, whether liking the wrong post on social media, making the wrong comment, or visiting the wrong website. That is the very definition of tyranny, and it's why we fought a war to throw it off. Hopefully the Irish will figure out the importance of banning government intrusion like this before it's too late for them. And hopefully we in the United States never lose sight of how important it is to keep the government at bay. From MAGAinstitute.com, this is Timothy Shea for TNT Radio. She used to dance and
4: dream of a better life. A brighter future with nutritious food to eat, a chance to learn, to get an education, and do incredible things. Today, thanks to Children International and friends like you, she dances for the world. Together, we give children in poverty a chance to set their sights high and achieve their dreams by ensuring that they have access to health care education life skills and more so they can grow thrive and believe in themselves gracias gracias learn more about children international and join us in our life-changing work at children.org today
0: the voice of a changing world chris smith On today's News Talk Radio, TNT.
1: Just getting to the chat box on TNTradio.live, and thank you for throwing down your opinions and your comments. Pelly says, President Biden doesn't have the mental capacity to be the president. I think you are absolutely right. The... I think the Democrats reform in 2024 and decide what to do about the presidential election. He is not up to it mentally. That should be the only concern. All right. In his meeting with President Biden today, Brian, Vladimir Zelensky dubiously pledged victory. And Joe Biden says, don't give up hope. Zelensky got $200 million and missed out on $60 billion. Are they fooling anyone now?
3: Well, you know, it was interesting in this meeting that, you know, Biden hosts this guy and he's seen, you know, don't give up, you know, we're all for the best. Go out there, fight the good fight, Rocky. But at the same time, it's interesting that he was not able to get as much as he wanted for him because that pushback now from our people, from even the people within our government finally has reached the point where he no longer has the power, he no longer has the authority he'd be lucky if that even passes, to be honest, the 200 million. But I also thought was interesting. In this meeting, after well, actually after this meeting, he also issued a statement saying that the U.S. support for Ukraine had basically reached its limit. That there was not much more the United States could do to mm. aid Ukraine. Telling, so that yeah, that's that says a lot right there. And I think it's accordance to you know the polls showing this is unpopular, and also accepting reality that look, this war has been lost for months now, yeah. and Let's- us funding it into the grave isn't going to do anything.
1: No. Nah. Let's go to a talkback line. Siv is on the line right now. Siv, go right ahead. Brian is listening. Well,
5: well, good day. I think you've I think you've kind of uh, answered the question that I had, which was, well, do the people in America actually support uh, extended funding for Ukraine? Well, a lot of them aren't. By the sound of that, a lot of them aren't uh, aren't supporting that. And uh, that whole thing too about uh, the election next year and and the Democrats and all the rest. I just wonder if the fight is beyond democrat republican whether it's whether it is people who really really love the country it's people who really love the country respect its history you know respect its founding and between people who can't stand the place think it's uh white dominated the constitution is written by uh you know slave owners and all the rest where, where do you what, what do you what do you uh, what do you make of all that
3: I think you're actually right in that there are a huge amount of people in this country who now and and I guess this happens as you get success and you get with a lot of Western democracies, you get people that are too comfortable. I do think there's a large component of people that hate this country legitimately, that do think it's racist. They've been convinced of this. I think a little bit that narrative is breaking down as people are seeing some of the lies exposed. But at the same time, this is why the Libertarian Party uh, are advocates of secession and how it might be a time for the united states to split up uh to to go our separate ways and shockingly there is a large amount of support for that in the country i think now that the people that are at least well hopefully peacefully <laughs> well that's, uh, that's, that's i don't know if How we have time
5: country like that
3: well uh, it would it literally i think it would have to come down to a secession by, and it might even come down to more than, than a split, you'd have to find states that wanted to stay together, that found themselves culturally, economically united, uh, politically united, that would then split off and form their own governments, similar to what's happened in the past now, would it be bloodless? I certainly hope so. But then again, we had a civil war over this in in the past. Lincoln literally freed the slaves in order to keep our nation from splitting into two. So I I don't know what tricks we have up our sleeves Um, to go back to your earlier question, uh, because I I do want to address that as well when it comes to Ukraine. The United States as a whole now, you're seeing the tide turn. Similar to Black Lives Matter, once you get into something, you see that what we were told was going to happen, this uh, this emergence of Ukraine as the fighting, fighting power that's going to displace Russia. Well, once the reality sets in, you lose passion for it, you lose the interest in it, and you don't want to fund it, especially when there's other wars that are going on. But at the same time, no matter what we decide to give them right now, America's going to be on the hook for the rebuilding effort. Mm. And they may be able to convince the population that, look, it's our responsibility to go in and help these people because we were at least partially to blame for this war going on. And of course, if we leave them in this, uh, this destruction, well, then it's going to be even easier for Russia to march in later on. So the American people probably con back into it. But for now, they have decided that they want to uh, pull back.
5: Well, that's interesting you say that because. Um you know i, I it, it is interesting with the with the fact that we're all focusing on the israeli palestinian conflict which by the way has gone on forever i mean it has gone on mm-hmm. forever and ever and ever it's it's we've got a new iteration of it with the horrific events of october the 7th and that's focused minds and i i just I, i'm just wondering if there is a bit of a, a weariness with the public I, I i think there's there's a bit of that going on there and uh and it be interesting to see exactly where all this goes, but the support for all of this seems to be seems to be waning quite a fair bit. Good to talk to you, Chris.
1: Good on you, Suv. Great to have you on the program. Thank you very much. Brian McWilliams, a new CBS news poll, finds Americans today feel the impact of inflation on their living standards more than previous generations. More people today say their standard of living is worse, not better than their parents was. And it's age groups encompassing a lot of millennials and Gen Xs currently in their prime working years. What does the poll tell
3: us? Well, like you said, it's it was shocking to see how much the middle class has been attacked. We knew that the economic systems we have here basically help the poor and they help the rich and they leave the middle class out to dry because we are being attacked. Uh, those of us in the middle class are being taxed to death. We have the least amount of capability to have any upward mobility and we're paying the most for housing, for education, uh, for groceries, et cetera. We don't get the help, but we ha- bear all the, the onus for this. So that's interesting to see that you had this polling reveal that I thought it was also fascinating, Chris. That people that were polled that were sixty-five and over also cited the COVID pandemic and the post-pandemic as a much worse economic impact. The inflation worse, the the uh, the economy as a whole, their business results worse than during the nineteen seventies, which was our last really inflationary time yeah. wherein you had the gas crisis, where you had the uh, the Federal Reserve take highly aggressive action to stem inflation. And yet people that live through it are saying we're in a worse state right now. Yeah, I've seen um, a
1: similar poll in the UK. I think it was about two or three weeks ago saying almost the same. Boy, oh boy, you know, this is generational
3: inflation like we've never seen. Yeah, absolutely. And I think also it's, it's telling the people in this poll also revealed they don't really trust the government data on the economy. 66% of the people polled said that they would they review the government data, that they believe it. 85% said, well, you know what? I like my own opinion. I, you know, I I look at the world around me. That's how I gauge what's going on. And I think that's fantastic to see because people are starting to, get to mistrust mainstream media as well as the government data that comes out. And that Bidenomics, no matter how many times White House uh, people tweet out that it's working, clearly isn't resonating with people. It's just too obvious when you go to the store, when you go to the pump, what's been happening with our economy. That's exactly. You can't cover that up. One last
1: one for you. 19 state attorneys general have urged the Biden government to reconsider a proposed rule which disqualifies Christian families who do not affirm LGBTQ rules from becoming foster parents. Now, I covered a prime example of this about six months ago in Oregon, and I spoke to the parent who wanted to retain her Christian views of a family as opposed to being prepared to allow her foster child to transition, and she was disallowed, From having that foster child. Now, according to the American Family Association, those who do not affirm the LGBTQ rules because of their Christian faith will be deemed unsafe, unsafe by the administration and ultimately rejected as foster parent candidates. Unsafe. If we were all part of a a Christian adherence, we might be a lot safer than what we are at the
3: moment. Well, it certainly seems that this goes in line with attacking people's ability to adopt, ability to foster, but really setting a threat message, right? That's the idea behind this, is that they want you to be so afraid of questioning the liberal progressive orthodoxy when it comes to trans people that you dare not speak up, nor to defend your religion. So I think this is fantastic. They're saying, look, this is ridiculous. You can't simply intimidate people because also you don't know the situation that that kid's coming into. You don't want to dictate to people that they must obey this orthodoxy. When, if I mean, even by the stats that most gracious stats that exist for trans youth, you're talking about a very small portion of the yes. population. So to disqualify parents who have the ability, who should be qualified in every other possible way for, by the way, a massive amount of children that are out there in, in Los Angeles, where I live 35,000 children in foster care, by the way, many of whom could use a home. Mm. Disqualifying these people is absolutely insane okay. and is purely ideological.
1: Ideological. When you should be looking at all the priorities you have, that is to keep kids in a family situation and making decisions based on their safety uh, rather than the ideology. Like seriously, seriously, Hey, some really big issues circulating at the moment. Thank you very much for your extended stay. Appreciate your time. We'll catch up again. It was a pleasure, Chris. Talk to you next time. Good on you, mate. Thank you very much. Uh, Lionsofliberty.com uh, is the website. That's where you'll get Brian's podcast, The Lines of Liberty, and uh, he is a communications director of the Libertarian Party. Brian McWilliams, I can't believe I've run out of time. I had so much more to tell you about. I'll take some of it and hoist it over into the next hour, which is coming up after our news bulletin and included in next hour's show. We'll catch up with Pruvix Ween and also it is Cyber Wednesday. So stacks to talk to uh, Alex about, especially after his sojourn in San Francisco. We'll do all of that right after the news. This is Chris Smith on TNT Radio.